0: The Athlete Handbook is here to provide you with insight and education as you navigate the sporting space. We hope you enjoy listening and adding another page to your book. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Athlete Handbook. We are back with Dr. Scott Telpe from Federation University. Good morning,
1: Scott morning, Sinead. How are you? Good. Very
0: glad to have you back on deck. You're going to be our key go-to with today's topic of conversation on all things US college pathway. And the main question being where to start, because it's a little bit overwhelming.
1: Yeah, it is. And it's a different, uh, I guess it's, it's a different sort of Pathway than what's what's here. It definitely is a different pathway, um, and it's definitely a viable pathway for for a lot of athletes. But it can be confusing to to navigate. And I think just like anything else, it starts with a conversation. Like where mm-hmm. do you start? It starts with having a conversation with your coaches, obviously with with your parents, and then really you know, anybody. There's lots of Businesses out there and consultants out there that can can help with the process as well. So there are people that you can you can talk to if this is a um, a pathway that you want to go down.
0: Yeah, I think the demand for it is growing, no doubt at the moment. I think also the post COVID element; everybody's getting back into the swing of things with travel and staying overseas or study overseas. Um, but it becomes overwhelming with all the different ways to navigate it and all the different information that we get fed. So today I've got a long list of points and questions for you. I think I mentioned at one point we'd use this as a bit of a definition podcast yep. because the idea is for our athletes to walk away from this episode and have a good base level understanding and points to consider before you take that next step in trying to start this pathway. So we're not going to give you all the answers on this is what to do and follow this um, and it's all set in stone through the episode today. But I guess my aim is to try and give everybody a good base understanding of what you know, the words, acronyms, all the things you're gonna get thrown as you start to navigate this yep. pathway. Um and Telps, so I'm sure you'll be very handy in uh, defining it all for us.
1: I hope I hope to be able to help.
0: <laughs> cool. So the first two things I'm gonna before we get into the college pathway. Yep. Obviously, there's a big academic element to to doing this. Um, So I'm actually going to start at the high school level because all of our junior athletes, uh, majority are still, you know, going through the ranks in high school out here. So I have two acronyms that I wanted to start with um, for our starting point back in high school. That is one being GPA. Can
1: you explain what GPA means? Oh, yeah. So a GPA is your grade point average. So in the U.S., that goes on a 4.0 scale. So um, here at the university, I guess, uh, at FedUni, you know, you have HDs or high distinctions, distinctions, credits and passes. But in the U.S., even at the secondary school level, you have an A-plus Then you have your A, A minus, B plus all the way down to uh, an F is really anything below a 60 percent. So your GPA, if you have an A plus average and you have a 4.0 GPA and then it works down – from there. So if I have an A average and my GPA GPA is about 3.5. Um, so that basically is a way to standardize your academic performance across your courses that you're studying. Yep.
0: Cool. So for our guys here going through high school, what you would have to do in starting to navigate this process would be converting your VCE Oh, not even VCE, but your school academics um, and your reports over to a GPA aggregate.
1: Yeah. And there's people that that can help with that process. Yeah. But I think you generally know what type of student you are. Yeah. You know, if, if you're, his, uh, you know, if you're a high achieving student and you're getting fantastic marks, yeah. then you, you know where where you sit. And if you're someone who, you know, maybe has the potential, like a lot of athletes, you know, student athletes do, uh, has a potential, but just hasn't really maximized how they prepare and yeah. they're sitting middle of the range. So, you know, where it is. And then, you know, as you go down the pathway, uh, there's people that can help you convert your academic performance yeah. here in Australia to the U S system. So then it helps those universities you're considering over there understand the quality yeah. that that you're at yes
0: yeah so just something to be wary of for our athletes you can't just gather all your reports and send them over you're gonna have to do some type of conversion
1: that's Not right. To
0: say yeah you have to go and change everything but it is just something to be aware of um when you're starting to navigate a different system
1: yeah so and it is important i think as as you s- start to go down the that process. And as Sinead said, it's well, it is academics and and sport runs through these academic institutions Um, and that academic institution dictates the academic standard. As mm-hmm. well as the athletic standard that you you should be at. Um, yeah. So there's some schools like your Ivy League schools, your Harvards, your Yales that those are extremely high achieving academic schools and high achieving high achieving athletic schools. And if you're not up to it academically or athletically, then that's not really an option for you. So it's about you know understanding where you fit academically and athletically.
0: Yeah, because something I have found in navigating the U.S. college system so far is, in the sense of quite literally, how they uh, name you are a student athlete. Yes, and student comes first 100%. in the sense of if you're not able to meet academic standards or levels, work. you can't participate. Can't in
1: and I, that's you know, that's one of the great things. You know, there's a lot of things that are not great about the U.S sports system but one thing that i really do love and actually miss is that student athlete component and combining mm-hmm. school and sport together and you need to be able to show that you can perform academically to be able to compete athletically and bringing those two together help really develop the holistic athlete
0: yeah definitely definitely um one other acronym I have which is SATs. Yep. Please explain. <laughs> so an
1: SAT is your scholastic aptitude test and I I performed very poorly on my SATs. Um <laughs> very poorly. Um uh, like but they're that
0: in duration, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah.
1: It's a long test. Um and basically every you take them in year 11, year 12 so your junior senior year over in the US and then that sort of determines uh, it it loosely like your ATAR basically in it shows what your academic standard is and uh, some universities in the U.S. are moving away from it just like some universities here are moving away from the ATAR requirements Mm -hmm. Um, but that shows you shows the university your academic potential Basically. And, you know, if you want to go to those Ivy League schools, your real high achieving academic schools, well, then your SATs need to be high. Um, when I was taking them, they were out of 1600. So you got a score out of 1600. Um, I won't tell you specifically what, what mine <laughs> was, but you know now they've shifted in the last couple of years. I'm actually not quite sure what it's scored out of, but you have, there's a math element to it. There's a, a grammar element to it. There's a, a reading comprehension component to it. And then they take your performance in those areas and put them together. And then that's your score. Mm-hmm. And then you send that out to universities and they might say like, oh, you know, look, Sinead got a fourteen hundred out of sixteen hundred. She's a high achieving, you know, academic student that's you know could be worthy of a spot at our at our university.
0: Yeah. Okay, so universities will look at both your GPA and your SAT yep. um, results on an application.
1: Yep, and then there's also other elements. There's interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's often essays and a, and a written component to it. So this is going back quite a few years now to when I, I was doing it, but I had my SAT scores. I had my GPA, my transcripts from my secondary school. I had to do an interview with an admissions team. I had to write an essay, and then I had to get letters of recommendations um, from, close contacts to say that I was a good student and, and a good athlete.
0: Yeah, right. So does that like your senior year, do you do that across your senior year in preparation and um yeah, so start, junior, do your applications to different
1: colleges? Yeah. Courses? So over there, so because they don't exactly line up perfectly. So you, over yeah. here we'll finish you finish year 12, well now essentially yeah. you finish year 12. And then well, the U.S. is now in the middle of their academic year. Yeah. So you still have like a six month period of time until you would go over and and start in Well, Basically, you would go over there and start in August. Yeah. Um, so but you want to start doing it in your high you know, early. Earlier, the better getting yourself organized.
0: Yeah. So this probably goes back a few steps. Yeah. Um, but just while we're still on this the high school preparation space. Yep. Would it be fair to say if, you know, some of our junior athletes here in Australia are looking at or considering the US college pathway to start to just get things or get across things earlier than, better, earlier is better than later,
1: I'm assuming. Hundred, always, it always is. And this is where I've had a number of these conversations over my time here, start early. Um, understand where a few there's a few questions that need to be considered if this is where you where you want to go down. One, you need to understand that there's two standards that will dictate where, where you go. So there's the academic standard, which, which we've talked about, and then there's your athletic standard. So are you a division one player, which is the highest level uh, of competition over there? Or are you a division two? Uh, which is in the middle, or are you a Division three? Now, bear in mind, I, I'd like to explain this to to potential uh, student athletes, is that only five percent of high school athletes, so you know, in the U.S., go on to play any level of mm-hmm. of collegiate. Athletics. So even if you're going to play at a division three level, it's still a very high standard of competition. When you think about the millions of of people that participate in sport in the secondary school level in the US, and only 5% of them get any opportunity to play beyond high school is, you know, shows that it is a it is a high level of play. Yeah. So yeah. there's the academic standard, and then there's the athletic standard. So you need to figure out where you sit in that order. Like you might be high achieving academically, but maybe a division three standard in your sports athletically. And there's universities that can cater to that as well. You know, there's very, very good small academic universities and colleges over there um, that compete at the division three level. And that's a fantastic option for for people as well. Yeah. So I
0: think, and I think we'll get into it down the line a little bit further, but it's probably worth saying, you really probably need to do your research as an athlete, wanting to go over to, to figure out what is gonna suit you best for your needs, not get caught up in a lot of other moving parts at the yeah. same time.
1: Yeah, yeah. and what, what suits your needs academically? What suits your needs athletically? And I know we'll talk about like culturally as well. Yeah, what suits yeah. Your
0: needs. Um, so moving into more the college definition space now. Yeah. Junior college, college gets thrown around a bit, yeah. but I'm aware there's a difference between.
1: Yeah, so and it's actually a lot a, a lot of at student athletes from Australia if they don't meet the academic requirements or haven't taken the SATs or if you know, the, the college recruiters don't quite know where they align athletically. They might recommend going to a junior college. So a junior college is a two year academic institution um, where generally you don't have to ha- have taken your SATs. Um, and if you know you might not be up to an academic standard from your GPA standpoint, they'll take it into a junior college to show uh, Uh, basically to demonstrate what your athletic ability is, Mm -hmm. to show what your academic ability is, and then for you to adjust. And then from that two-year institution, that junior college, you then can go on to a four-year academic institution. And it's a very popular pathway, specifically, you know, in my experience here for our basketball players. There's been a number of basketball players from here in Ballarat that have gone over to compete at the junior college level. Which is still a very high standard athletically. And then from there go on to a division one or a division two um, four year school. Yes. There you go. Yep.
0: So it's like it's a good stepping stone, I guess, if you need it.
1: If you need it. Yeah. If if you need it, it's definitely not like athletically the competition is very high. Yeah. Uh, because what ends up happening in those at that junior college level, it might be those players that are high achieving athletically really good athletically, but they have not performed academically at all. So they've missed out on those big division one scholarship opportunities because they've underperformed academically. So they need to go to a junior college to get their grades up, to learn how to study, to then go to the four-year school. There's actually some pretty cool documentaries on Netflix about junior colleges that if you're interested, have a look at them.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that's a good um, pathway to note not advocating that our athletes don't get themselves sorted but yeah I guess that's probably like if you've gotten to year 11 or year 12 and you only kind of just realize that this could be a potential pathway for you and you haven't had that opportunity or the grace of time to get yeah. your academics in line like you might have if you Um, started in year nine or year 10, that's like, it's not all off the table. That's another pathway for you to consider. So that's really good to know. Yes. So my next question for you, and I, it's probably a two-parter, because is it best to start with what is the NCAA and then work into the divisions of
1: college? Yeah. 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 So um, the NCAA is a national collegiate athletics association and that's the governing body really for the vast majority of university athletics over there and they set the rules and regulations um so within ncaa there's three divisions you have your division one which we've mentioned before that's your high standard there's about don't call me on this but there's about (laughs) three depending upon the sport there might be like 300 division one universities and then division two and then your division three level and then even within you know division one there's a big gap you know depending upon the sport, um you know there's a big gap from your number one team in the country all the way down to your bottom bottom level in terms of standard of competition, but um, you know, I was doing some and question, well, how big is the gap from a division three school to a division one school? So I think I actually did a bit of homework on this Shanae and me liking numbers and liking stats. I actually, to me, so if we look at track and field, for example, and it's a nice, easy way to explain it. So if we take the women's hundred meter sprint, Right. And we look at the NCA champion in the women's 100 meter sprint from the division one, division two, division three. So from division one, the 100 meter sprint time to win national championships was a 10.72 in the 100 meter. Yeah. Which is pretty quick. But at the division two level, the national champion was an 11.09. And then at the division three level, the national champion was 11.49. So that's a 7.3% difference from your division one to your division Mm three. Still quite good at your division three standard. Um, And then when we look at the men's, your D1 national champion in men's 100 meter sprint was a 9.89. Yeah. Division two was a 10.02 and then your D three was a 10.13. So that's a 2.3% difference from D one to D three, all still very, very good. um, But it does show that there is that, that gap out there. And, you know, to in another sport like basketball, for example, you know, your major D one basketball players from a men's standpoint are going to be six, four, as your shortest player all the way up to 7 yeah. 7 foot yeah. whereas at the D3 level you're probably not going to see many 7 footers that are hitting, yeah hitting three yeah. pointers yeah
0: um something I've also found thank thank you for doing that because i think <laughs> that like for me especially back i still think that's such high quality it's
1: it, like
0: d three that just rec- like there's not even a second between that those times no. and that just still shows you the quality in reminds you in the sense of just how big and the level of things over in the US. Um, So thank you for that. But I think I was also thinking on the point there that also too, some, like I think people can get caught up in, oh, but I really want to be at that Div 1 level or I really want to be this college and get very slack pinpointed on a specific college. But you've kind of also, I think, need to keep in mind that, yes, some colleges might be big um, on one to two or three sports, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be a great fit for you and your sport. You might be better off at a Div 2 level because it's a better um, school or a stronger college for your sport as well.
1: And don't forget, yeah, you're 100% correct, Shanae. Um What is best for you as an individual, which you mentioned Mm. before? And then what do you want to study? Like you're Mm. going there to study, to get a degree so you can get a job. So you need to say, all right, well, I want to study exercise and sports science like pretty much everybody does. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So you might say, I want to study exercise and sports science. But then you need to look and say, all right, well, does the university you're going to offer that degree? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, does it have the sport? Does it have the degree? Does it have the coach that aligns with you as a as an athlete? Yeah, lots yeah. of concern.
0: and I think another point on that, which I think more and more of our athletes are coming to understand, but U.S. colleges don't just look at um, football being American football or basketball as their sports at the same yeah. time. <laughs> um, so like rowing is very big at some colleges, track and field, or as you yep. know we know here as athletics that don't get that confused to our guys because they in in the u.s their athletic department is their our what we would call sports department and they refer to athletics as track and field um but rowing track and field golf um tennis is huge as well to my understanding so there's so many different other avenues swimming um we've got a few swimmers that are keen at the moment as well um please don't just think that because you don't play basketball that you I know majority of the stories we will hear is yes, an athlete went over on a US college pathway and they played basketball, um, but that's not the case. They don't just look at you know two to three sports. It's huge in yeah, their that options.
1: That athletics department can be for a big for a big Division one school. Um, there will be all the way you know there's squash there's yeah. you know there's tons badminton. of badminton there's tons of sports uh available to to the athlete and then even like I worked um a few years I was at a division two school um and within that division two school had a massive track and field program very good high quality track and field program we had swimming we had diving we had did not have tennis because it's cold um <laughs> so we did not have a tennis program because it was very cold where where we were um you know cross country lots Lots of opportunities for for those sports.
0: Yeah, cool. This next question, I just wanted to briefly touch on, in the sense of, I guess, giving some context further to the spread of the colleges across the U.S. and that's the Power Five conference,
1: <laughs> and yeah, how so, that
0: gets broken down.
1: <laughs> yeah, so there's five conferences in the in the NCAA Division One area that are, uh, I guess, bigger. They're yep. bigger. These are the ones you see on like, you know, Instagram, where there's 120,000 people in the football stadium and yep. like, Enter Sandman's playing, and everybody's jumping up and down and screaming. These,
0: and, these are the TikTok videos you've been yeah. seeing. Matthew McConaughey, at <laughs> the, the yep. Texas games, like this is the level of college that we're talking about. My now. son,
1: my son Max, at the moment is is obsessed with them like he watches all these Instagram and TikTok videos of baseball facilities uh and things like that and they're all in like these big the Power 5 conferences yeah. so the big NCAA Division 1 conferences are the Atlantic Coast Conference which the ACC yep. so that's essential well, it used to be it's a bit of a shift now but it used yeah. to just be big universities all the way down the east coast uh the Big 10 The Big 12, the Pac-12, which is West Coast, well, historically has been West Coast schools and the Southeast Conference, which is in the southeast uh, corridor of the U.S. So that's like those are the ones you see with like University of Alabama and LSU and Clemson. And those are the big, big schools. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And I those are big schools like those are. Those universities are cities in and of themselves where there's, you know, 120,000 students. And when I was looking at schools to go to, I could not go to a school like that because I wasn't mature enough to yes. make good decisions outside of the classroom or outside of, well, one, I couldn't compete athletically anywhere near that yeah. caliber. Um, but then also ac- academically I wasn't mature enough. So I knew leaving year 12 that if I was in a big university like that, I'd get swallowed up and yeah. spit out the other side. And yeah. it would not have been good for me. Yeah. So yeah.
0: I um yeah, I've come to understand this even more. So in organising, I'm about to head over later this week, and getting the opportunity to go to University of Michigan, which is one of um, one of the big schools in the Big Ten. Yes. Um, and in sorting my, this like, just tells it exactly, in sorting my accommodation over the weekend that they have a home football game, they've, I think, sold out tickets-wise weeks back and they are expecting, or their stadium capacity is 110,000, which for our Victorians here, that is more than what, or the amount of people that attended an AFL Grand Final. Yes. Um, yes. This, so, like, the, the capacity of their stadium at a college level is bigger than the MCG. Um, and that's just a home game. So that's not even a final, like, that's not a grand final, that's just a local it's home game. It's not even
1: a very good game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, true. And when I'm booking accommodation for that weekend, there was, this was, like, two, two months back, so three-ish months out from the game, there was nothing left in Ann Arbor for accommodation and anything that was left was re- absolutely ridiculous in price and probably a 15 to 20 minute drive out of town. But that just shows in, in what you were saying that that university is the town.
1: Yeah, it is. And like it
0: university. is so big over there.
1: It is. And like, I guess this to bring it back to when you're looking at schools, you need to think mm. about you as you as an individual. Like, how will you go in that massive environment? And Mm. some people can can do that, you know, and would be able to adjust to it very well. And there are if you are an athlete that's of that caliber, then there are support systems in place that the university has to to help you. You know, there's examples of Ballarat athletes that are over there at the moment at big time universities playing big time college basketball. Mm. And they've adjusted very well because there are support systems in place to to help. yeah, but it is a very different environment.
0: Yeah, and I think it's probably a good – your your point on um, how asking yourself as an athlete, how could I – how am I going to go in that setting and situation? Also on the fact of it's not like, you know, you can just get in the car and head home either or jump yeah. on a plane. It's it's not a, you know, our flight home. It's a big move going over there. Um, so – What are some other points to consider? Because as you said before, like we're all seeing these big games and videos, documentaries on Netflix or TikTok and social media. Um, So what are some other points, I guess, to consider for our athletes a little bit further away from getting ourselves academically and performance ready to go down this pathway, but more holistically uh, because it is a big lifestyle change at a very like pinpointed age growth wise yep. as well yep. what do you, you recognize some key points our athletes should be considering yeah. in thinking about this
1: pathway it, it sounds so when i speak with like i said i've had a number of these conversations over the years with people considering going to the u.s and you know i i, I guess i map it out this way one you need to think about you know what what your standard is academically what your standard is athletically which we've all all already talked about, but then culturally, because, you know, you can have vastly different experiences at a university based upon its geographic location, Mm -hmm. you know, so what, what you get in the Southeast quarter of the U S is going to be different culturally from what you get in the Northeast, as opposed to the Midwest, um, Mm -hmm or to the northwest so you know there's some schools are heavily religious and if you are not a religious person and then you find yourself at a religious university where there's you know lots of church and bibles and things like that um then if if that doesn't suit you you culturally then that can be a bit a bit of a shock as well so you know think about what you want culturally and then what what geographical location in the u.s help support that other things like if you don't like the cold yeah don't go to the northeast don't go to the midwest you know if you want sunshine and beaches well you're going to look southeast (laughs) and on the west and on the west coast you know what i mean so you know if you don't like you know if you're not a country person and then you know maybe avoid places in the, in the, in the middle part of the, the United States. So think about culturally what you want your experience to be A- academically. What do you want your experience to be academically? What do you want your experience to be? And then there's another consideration that is very, very important. And you know, you, you need to know the coach. So, you know, once you figure out what you want to study, what your academic standard is, where you want to be, and you narrow down choices to, to schools, then you need to make sure you can have a good relationship with that coach at that university. And, you know, I, depending, you know, they're going to do recruiting, they're going to recruit you. They need to see if you're going to fit with their program, but at the same time you need to think whether that coach is somebody you can work very, very closely with for the next four to five years of your, of your life.
0: Yeah. And I think further to that, you're, Normal support systems as an athlete in the sense of family, friends, um, security of, you know, being at home is all going to change in this process as well. So someone like your coach and building rapport with them ideally ahead of time and feeling comfortable with that situation is very important because it's not like you're going home at the end of, you know, you have a a tough session or you have a tough game and you jump in the car and you head home and you're going home to mum and dad.
1: Yeah.
0: They're across across the world in a different time zone. So there's a lot of other things I think. You write in that rapport building beforehand to make sure it's the right fit for you.
1: And it's interesting. You can also look at, you know, are there a lot of other international student athletes that are at that university? So, you know, generally... There's a, a pipeline, a recruiting pipeline. So there might be, you know, one player may have come from Ballarat a few years ago, or an athlete has come from this area a few years ago to that school, and then they keep coming back because they know that there's a pipeline of athletes yeah. here. So have people from here gone to that university and and had success um, or or had a good experience um, is also an important, you know, because and then if there's other international athletes there, then there's other uh, support networks for you, someone who's going through the same experiences Mm. you are, uh, which can help. So I just want to jump
0: back a little bit in the sense of you were saying, um, chatting with the coach, building the rapport, seeing that it's a good fit for you. When Um, and I know you may not have the hard and fast answer for this, but something we're finding that's becoming more and more popular is how to build your presence as an athlete to start to navigate that and the recruiting and putting yourself out there a little bit. It seems quite big out of the US that social media is a little bit of an important um, tool in um, having a bit of a I guess brand is that the word to use, yeah. or just the presence. I guess is probably yeah. a better term. So and how to navigate
1: it. Yeah, so there are one there's specific recruiting uh, platforms, like athlete yeah. recruiting platforms. So for example, for a, a a local baseball player who is over there now at a Division three school, what you know he worked with his coaches and he worked with myself and we made some high quality videos of him you know performing drills and activities and playing in games and they were uploaded onto a platform that us coaches could log in and and see and then say like oh that looks like somebody that would fit our you know our, our program and they'd look at it um but then there's also your more traditional um your more traditional social media platforms in the us x or twitter is very big amongst the high school and and college athletes. Uh, Yeah, it's really big amongst those athlete populations. Um, And it is a way that to connect with coaches, but you wanna be very careful with how you do that. So rather than just, you know, specifically directly messaging coaches, you know, in their direct messages, um, you wanna make sure everything you're putting up there is professional. Um, it's high quality, it's appropriate because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stories of a university looking at a student athlete's social media profile and looking at their Instagram and looking at their Twitter or their X, or whatever it may be, their TikToks, and then saying like, Ooh, that's something we don't want in our program. And then, you know, missing out on an opportunity.
0: We are going to do, um, an educate, well, probably another podcast episode on social media separately, but I think my biggest suggestion to athletes thinking about doing that and building a presence for themselves or their um, athletic uh, presence on social media would be anything personal, account-wise, keep it private, and if you're going to try to build up a little bit of an athlete or brand or presence online, that's Those accounts are entirely dedicated to that and everything else is kept private and keep a clear, distinguished between the two to try and still not to say you can't use social media for personal use, but it's a little bit of an easier dissection between the two as you navigate that.
1: There's um, businesses around Australia that help with the US yeah. recruiting and they can help with, you know, the creating recruiting videos um you know coaches also want to see though when you put those sort of video packages together they don't want to just see highlights you know don't just show the the best moments yeah. you know you also want to see they want to see how you react when you fail or how good of a teammate you are and things like that so you know don't make it all bright and shiny yeah um you know highlight some losses and try to find those, you know, those clips or something that shows that you're a good teammate. You're, you know, you know how to how to lose graciously. Things like that are very important.
0: Yeah. A very well-rounded approach, I guess. Yeah. Is the way to go. Yep. Yeah, cool. One other point, I know we briefly spoke about in person, um, but we were talking in the sense of scholarships, um, and student-athlete and academic or how they work. Am I right in saying you could have a full sport scholarship to go over there, a half sport scholarship, and then same in the academic space, a full academic scholarship and then a half academic scholarship?
1: Yeah, so basically a coach at a, you know, at any sport is going to have a certain number of scholarships for athletes yeah. in that team. So, you know, it might be for, for rowing, for example, the rowing coach might have a total of, let's say it's 10 scholarships. Now they can divide those 10 scholarships up and make it 20 half scholarships, or they can have, you know, five full and then 10 halves. However, they want to divide the those scholarships up. They, they can do it. And not all uh so Ivy League, so Ivy League, your Harvard's, your Yales, your Princeton's, those real high academic, they don't do athletic scholarships. So there's no athletic scholarships, but and division three schools don't do athletic scholarships. Yeah. And there's less athletic scholarships at the division two level than there are at the division one level. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that doesn't mean that coaches can't find ways or athletic departments can't find ways to help financially support you know the even if you if you know you're at a division three standard and that's you know where where you're going to end up well yes there's no athletic scholarships but they might be able to provide you with an academic scholarship if yeah. your if your academic performance is at a high level um, and they might be able to find other sorts of scholarships to help cover the cost of room and board and things like that to help lessen the cost associated with with attending.
0: Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, cool. So there are a limited number of, basically to sum it up. There's a limited number of scholarships and depending upon the level of competition and the sport you're in dictates how many scholarships the coach has to hand out on a given year
0: yeah so yeah it really comes down at the end of the day to you as the individual athlete your sport and then I guess what you're looking to get out of your time over there and really think of it as an experience yeah yep yeah cool um well I did have a list of athlete questions for you but I I believe we've answered all of them through our conversation well, majority of them
1: yeah i think there is one though that's because i've got the list in front of me yeah so i know what it is <laughs> the one question that is 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 it worth moving to the u.s or can you just do the same thing you here
0: took the words out of my mouth i'm right? gonna ask
1: <laughs> yeah and so i remember and i'm gonna add a bit of a personal story to this i remember this is going back this is well i've been here for 14 years now so this is going back probably 13 12 13 years ago and this is a basketball player and i remember sitting in they were from ballarat and i was sitting in the office of the head minors coach at the time with this athlete and this athlete had a full scholarship to an ncaa division one university and this is the exact same like question they were tossing up and you know this at this athlete young young basketball player in ballarat decided to stay here uh, and at first, I was like, "Oh, what are you doing? Like, well, what are you doing? Like, you could go to the U.S. and have a four-year degree, fully paid for, and experience it." But then, when I took a step back, and we all took a step back, and we thought about it, one, he had a phenomenal coach here that was probably j- just as good, if not better, than any coach he was going to have at the NCAA Division One level in, in the U.S. He had support here to develop physically, technically, tactically, and academically. Um, so there was a support here in town to help him do that. Mm-hmm. And then long-term wise, you know, at the sport of basketball, you know, is were, were they going to be an NBA player? Probably not. They weren't six foot nine and they weren't mm-hmm. going to be six foot nine. So, you know, Chances are they'd end up coming back here and playing at the NBL level. So would they be able to accomplish the same thing staying here in Ballarat in terms of athlete development, academic development and life's, you know, life development and not have to go over there? And 100 percent they they could have. And and they did. And they ended up playing at the NBL level. Um, So I think it, you know, it depends. As we've always said, it depends on your situation. What's your athletic support? look like for your sport in this area? Can you get that high quality coaching? Can you get high quality strength and conditioning? Can you get the hot, that academic experience that you want and you, you need like if you're a high achieving academic person, uh, student high achieving academic student athlete, can you be challenged to the level academically and you want here as opposed, you know, To the same level you can over there. Just a lot of questions to consider, but a lot of the time you can get the same thing here, and I'll show you the one thing that, in my view, misses is missing. And this is me having, you know, being an academic at a university over here in Australia, Mm -hmm. and having been an academic at a university over in the U.S. The university experience is much, much different there than it is here.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a great point to wrap on wrap on and want to add, although you know we're the Westwick Academy of Sport and we talk sport nonstop. Yep. there's also the opportunity if you know some of us get to the end of our high school years and it's the end of our sports pathway in a you know high level capacity. It's also an opportunity you could go over and study in the US and have absolutely nothing to do with your sport at the same time. You can also look at this pathway as a life experience and as a study and academic experience and have actually nothing to do with your sport. It's just another pathway you could also consider Um away from university here in Australia as well. So I know we harp on about sport and sports scholarships and all the things, but it is still an opportunity that's available to everybody if they want to look down that pathway. Your sport doesn't necessarily need to dictate it at the same time.
1: Yeah, you're totally right, Shanae. And I guess I'll just summari I'll summarize everything. You know, if if this is something you want to go down, have conversations with key people in, in your life. Obviously your parents first and foremost, your coaches. Um, your coaches that are around you. And then from there, you think about those considerations. What's your academic you know, standard? What's your athletic standard? And be uh, open and honest with yourself mm. and others uh, about that. And then from there, think about, all right, what do you want from a cultural experience? Mm-hmm. And then who's your coach going to be? And yep. you have to have that good relationship with whoever the coach is over there.
0: Yeah, awesome. But, I think that wraps us up really well. I'm sure if any of our athletes have questions after the fact, please yeah. reach out. It helps yeah, more than Happy to
1: have a conversation. Yeah, in normal conversations. And there are other people that can help around. There's other, you know, businesses and support. Yeah.
0: And um, staff. and we do have a few contacts. So I guess for any of our athletes also listening that, you know, listen to this episode and were like, yep. This is exactly what I needed. This is what I want to look into. And you are really kind of wanting to take the next step in sorting out um, what the pathway looks for you. And you need to start to look at different consultants um, in that space. Please reach out. I do have a few contacts, um, but, you know, I can't just hand them out willy-nilly to everybody. So I really would like to see if those athletes that are listening are interested, please reach out, and I'd be more than happy to help um, and put you on the right path. But in the meantime, if you have any questions, reach out. Thank you, Scott.
1: No Prompt Sinead, any That's what I'm Easy here for. done.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Athlete Handbook. This podcast is brought to you by the Vic Academy of Sport, it was recorded in Ballarat on the land of the Waterong and Jar Rock people and we would like to recognise their continuing connection to the land and waterways.